You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The angel of death said if your name starts with a J, you're fucked. That's it. <laughs> the J's have it. I actually did not see that game. I, what? I look, my well, attention watch is the game, right nerd. <laughs> yeah. No, as the pain and I have as her like shower is falling on her head. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Too Many Men podcast. My name is Allison Lucan, and I'm going to switch it up this week because we have a new house liver, an interior decorator, and a follower of all things tennis in addition to every single second of hockey. The athletics, Shayna Goldman is here. Shayna, say hi. Hi, coming to you from a blank void. <laughs> in your new house, congratulations to you in your Thank void. You. <laughs> and of course, not in a void, but in a case of dealing with a lot of crap that people try to foist on her and still remaining heroic, beautiful, and brilliant, it is Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm, well, we'll get into how I am, but I am getting a new hair due on Friday, so everybody, we can relax and be happy. <laughs> That's big news. Congratulations to you, too. And coming from your new office as well, I do believe. Is yeah, that correct? we're all moving on up and we got some exciting things in terms of quality coming up, but please bear with us. Hashtag quality. All right, perfect. Well, Sarah, let's go right back to you because it's time for your very favorite segment, and that is. A bit of news. Ooh. I like how se- I love how serious the drum roll is. Like, the, I know. like is there's like a pause. So intense a, for it. A delivery. Also, yes. Also, Sarah, I forgot to tell you before you got on the call. We have now we have a Taylor Swift tie because Shane is in a blank space. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just thought I'd let you all know that. Okay. Bit of news, Shana. We continually point to you as our expert, if not the expert in the entire universe on women's hockey of all kinds. And there was some really exciting women's hockey this past couple weeks. And that was the women's U18s tournament, which we actually finally got to see with real cameras and multiple camera angles and commentary. But there is a 14-year-old phenom that is rightly getting a ton of attention for the skill she has. Let me again say, at 14, Shayna, and I have apologies for not having, and my grandparents would be mortified, my proper uh, ability to read Slovak, and that is Nila Luposanova. My grandparents are probably turning in their graves. I apologize. <laughs> Mine too. Um, but her, her hockey uh, demands attention from anyone who cares about the game at any level in any place. Shana, tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, she is incredible, so skilled, and gutsy. I think, you know, the thing is, like, this is a tournament with 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds. So if you're 14 years old, the bar 
you know, isn't as high for you. No one's expecting much. And to have the courage to pull off the Michigan and these like ultra skilled plays, it's just so exciting where the women's game is going. And I know everyone will say, well, who cares? It's always about USA and Canada. Well, these are the players that are going to make a difference. And these are the players we'll get to know better, especially as they, you know, jump into the NCAA ranks, which we can assume is the case here in a couple of years. So, you know, the future is really bright for international hockey, for women's hockey. And look how skilled they are. Look at, look at the moves they're pulling off. I hope the men can take some notes. Yeah, and I was talking to Sean Ferris when I was in Boston, and he made a great point. He was like, think about how much we miss by the lack of coverage that's been given to the women's game. I mean, how many tournaments ago we were watching literally on a doorbell a cam? A doorbell cam. Like, like we on. wouldn't even see this. But, uh, Sarah, were you pretty impressed what's coming out of the youth? The youth? Absolutely. I think it's great for the game, of course. And like you say, the resources now that people are starting to cover it more and just kind of the ability to cover it on a grassroots level and make it more accessible so we can see these moments has been huge. But we need to pay the people doing this more money. A million percent. Kudos to those who did amplify the coverage. I want to give a shout out to uh, the Victory Press, uh, who sent Nicole Haas, who's the, one of the preeminent voices in the women's game, to go over there and cover it directly. Uh, just tremendous work. Uh, check that out if you haven't already. Um, also, in tremendous talent news, but a slightly different angle, uh, Sarah, we're going to go to you for this. Talk to us about David Posternock's nail polish. What's going on there? Yeah, Matt Porter of the Boston Globe, who is an amazing journalist, good guy, he sent me his own tweet of Posternock after the game, and it absolutely blew up because he had black nails on to match his black undershirt, and it all was very a cohesive Posternock-esque outfit, and he was numbered... Seven, I think, on the style rankings this week until yesterday when he wore that. And it bumped him up immediately to number one because he did say he lost a bet with his family playing board games and had to either shave his legs or paint his nails. He picked painting his nails. I wish it was on his own accord, but he did say, I like it and I wonder what color I'm going to do next. So I love that he's embracing it and like was his hands were on his face. He was just very nonchalant about it and i kind of surprised line hasn't done anything like that yet he's kind of the king of accessorizing and using bright colors to his advantage but posternock is also the king there's a reason why those two i have so much respect for they're so innovative and not afraid to be more androgynous with their fashion and that's what's in right now like it or not boring milk carton milk boys i don't know what else to call like milk boys milk i don't know milk boy good for pasta he looks so seen yes he looks like a scene kid especially with his hair yes i love it and he had the sneakers on that i'm shana basically owns the same pair i was just loving it so good for him (laughs) and keep it going pasta and i mean he's the coolest guy in the world right now he's Yep. yep. I don't know if he's leading the league. He's very, he's up there. He's in the top three or four and has 10 points in his last five games. He's such a beast. Eight goals. Just a couple other bits of on ice news we wanted to cover. Um, Evander Kane, Evander Kane, my goodness. Evander Kane did return uh, to the lineup Tuesday. Um, I was actually covering that game and understandably uh, first came back in quite some time after a very severe wrist injury. Wasn't really a factor, so Evander, do something good and we'll talk about you more, but he's back. There you go, kids. Happy days. Um, also on the ice and- Biased, I, biased against him. Uh, obviously, hashtag. Come at me, bro. Um, also on the ice, and I missed this game 
But Shayna, you're going to have to walk us through what happened because apparently we no longer have the Habs in Montreal. We have the half a team in Montreal because announced today, and I'm reading from the reporting of Kenzie Lalonde, who does a tremendous job. Here we go, friends. Uh, Uriah Slavkovsky out three months lower body. Jonathan Druin out all-star break with upper body, suffered on January 12th. Jake Allen, minimum one week. Joel Armia out until all-star break, upper body. Jake Evans, eight to 10 weeks, lower body. Shayna, did like the angel of death just go through the locker room or what is happening and what's the impact on a team that honestly doesn't necessarily want to win, but, but now what's going on? The angel of death said, if your name starts with a J, you're fucked. That's it. The Jays have it. I I don't I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's really unfortunate to have that many injuries. But for Montreal, like, they want they want to develop their players. So guess what? Everyone's gonna have to step up into a more meaningful role. And it's obviously unfortunate. One of those players is Lefkowski, who's gonna miss time. Like he's one of those players that need to step up. But you know, now it's now there's more minutes to go around for players like Kirby Doc and other young players that are so important to their future. And this is probably gonna help their odds lower a little bit more. So they have to make the best of a, a shitty situation and just focus on development and progress and whatever they can do. And probably not win along the way and get a better draft pick so they can turn this around even quicker. It just, you know, it sucks. And Drew and I feel like is the least lucky player in the world. So that's really unfortunate. But like, was this like, again, I didn't see the game. Was it just a very physical game? Were these obvious that these players were going to be injured or did like everyone come up broken after the game was over? I actually did not see that game. I, I look, my well, watch the game, right nerd. <laughs> yeah, no, as the pain and I have as your like shower is falling on her head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? Canadians Jets last night wasn't for me. I caught some of the Sabers. I caught the Leafs Panthers, and I watched a bit of uh, Oilers Kraken. Thank that you. was it. And the rest of my focus was tennis. We had Tiafa. We had Nadal. We had Sviatek. We had soccer. We had better things to do last night. I'm sorry. My focus was split the next two weeks. This is my moment. Let me have it. <laughs> Perfect. In my tennis sweatshirt and all. Come on. My U.S. Open sweatshirt. I love this sweatshirt. I was going to say that. We're, we're very proud of you. You might even make the style ranking someday, Shayna. You might. I hope so. You should see the sneakers I'm matching with this today. I'll send you guys a picture, picture Please. later. Please do. Please do. Um, all right. We wanted to uh, move on to some hockey topics, some other uh, bigger topics of things that are happening on the ice. Um, and Sarah, I'm going to go back to you. We talked about Pasta and just how tremendous he is, but there's another Bruin who had a big moment uh, this past week and maybe just is not truly getting the respect that he deserves. And that is David Krejci. He played his thousandth game uh, this week, and that's a significant milestone, as we know. Um, there are so many riches and talents to talk about on that Bruins roster. Is David Krejci underestimated or underappreciated? Your column, please. I mean, there's so much talk about the perfection line. And every time Boston was in town in Raleigh, we're all asking the same stupid question. How do you stop them? You don't. Thing goes viral every time. But of course, like you try to thwart them and there needs to be reinforcements. David Krejci has always been that for the Bruins. And he is so underappreciated. I, I don't know. It's like people got this idea about him that he's injury prone when he really hasn't had that many injuries and he always comes back relatively soon and puts up like a point per game during the playoffs. When you look at his wingers, which are a lot of the time pasta, they're absolutely excelling and they always credit him with it. He's an older, hilarious guy. I love talking to him because he's going to give you some sass and he like gets Boston for being from Czech. I don't know. But 
the players in the room have so much respect for him. And as I get older and like go learn more in my travels around the league, it's always these kind of secondary scorers that are so respected because it's kind of like you go to the captain, but you don't want to piss him off, but you can always go to kind of the older guy that is still kicking and putting up points to give you advice and help you train or whatever it is. And he's been that guy for a lot of these Bruins players. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's, again, even just to play that many games is no small feat. I've been lucky enough to watch a couple of those ceremonies and um, kudos to him. Kudos to him for the accomplishment in and of itself and for, for being who he is. Yeah, uh, Shayna, do you? Ya. Oh, see, there you go. We <laughs> love you. We love you. Shayna, any thoughts on the most underappreciated Bruins player that there is? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think everyone forgot how good he is. I think everyone just like legitimately forgot like Krejci's going to be good when he was coming back to the NHL. Everyone's like, yeah, if he's good again, like, yeah, he's going to be good. And now he's going to play with David Poshnok, which they never let him do before. It's a whole new game for him. He's he's revitalized. He's ready to rip. And they're having the best time doing it. Like, appreciate it. Appreciate him while you have him now because you don't know how long this one's going to last. I think people finally are, especially a lot of Bruins fans get a little bit cocky or like a little, ex- they expect the most out of their team. So they would crap on him, but then they saw his absence when he played in check last year and now they appreciate him. So it all is well that ends well. Well, everyone should appreciate the Bruins except watch this transition, the Seattle Kraken <laughs> who came to Boston last week and were the first team this season it look there is no denying what boston is doing this year they're on like a 3000 point pace last i checked they had yet to lose in regulation at home and when they had lost at home they'd only done it 3 times seattle came in last week and beat boston on home ice not only in regulation but delivered a shutout um, which was truly impressive and even more so because it was in the middle of a slog of a road trip, which was seven games over basically two weeks. Uh, they won. Would you every- call it the dreaded East Coast swing? I would call it, yes. Thank you, exactly. Shana. Exactly. Our narrative are you. popping up. Thank you, Shana. Yes, the dreaded East Coast swing. But they managed to win every single game and they had won the game before that too so they had an eight game win streak including all seven on the road including over teams like toronto and boston Um, i was in it i was fortunate enough to be traveling with the team so i'll share my thoughts in a second but i was obviously really really close to it so from the outside Shayna, what would you say the perception was of what the Kraken, first of all, did over Boston and then just that streak, which has come to an end, but that streak and what people are now thinking about the Seattle Kraken? I think a lot of the focus with the Kraken has been how they're different from last year, and I completely understand that being the narrative because, like, it does exist for a reason. They're a different team. They're completely different offensively, and um, it's exciting that now everyone wants to pay attention to them because they came to the East because everyone's super biased and doesn't pay attention and stay up for the West Coast games. But now that everyone got to see it with their own eyes when they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, because that's all that matters. It's how it affects the Leafs. The Kraken affected the Leafs in a good negative job. way. You are two for two today. Thank you. I'm feeling it. So good. Um, but, you know, now that they did that, everyone's paying attention to them. And they're like, oh, yeah, the Kraken are good. But I just think I think this was a really important month for them. We saw them slide a little bit in December. And to see them come out with 
like the firepower that they did against these high-end teams that, you know, you look at Toronto, you look at Boston, they're so stacked with star power and the Kraken aren't. They're a completely different team. They're all about the forward depth. They're all about four scoring lines and, you know, offense from the blue line to contributors everywhere. And they're like, no, 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 we can win a different way. And this is how we're doing it. And I think that's really interesting for them. Sarah, as someone who is in Boston geographically, now you're not a beat reporter for the Bruins, but you obviously see a lot of their games and and follow them um, just from proximity often too. What was your take on the Kraken and, and specifically that win over the Bruins? It's just kind of the magic of hockey to me, right? When you're rolling, you are rolling. And sometimes all the narratives in the world you can throw at a team and it doesn't matter. And those are the kind of things where it's hard to quantify, but I believe are real contenders. I say this like every month on the podcast where Justin Williams once told me to look at the streaks, right? It's all about consistency and this team has been so consistent and it's like maybe they'll lose two games here and there, but then they always follow it up with a string of wins. So that makes me really, really excited for the Kraken and they score a shit ton of goals. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's been really cool. And I will I will say this. I saw, and as fans are wont to do, there were a lot of Boston's fans saying, oh, Boston just wasn't, you know, feeling it that night. It wasn't like the Kraken did anything. Um, but I will say, and we've talked about this before, I was lucky enough to cover the Blue Jackets NHL tying longest win streak of 16, I think it was. And at some point, even when that streak was over, there were players who would admit, they were saying, you know, we were we were kind of glad the streak is over because the pressure of that takes away from what the actual game is. Um, so there might have been part of that with Boston too, but who's to say they're still a powerhouse. Um, shout out to Nick Foligno, who I got to see after the game. He was awesome. Great to see him thriving. Um, but we talk about the Kraken. We now have to talk about another team that is hot, hot, hot. And conveniently... When this podcast goes out on Thursday, these two teams are going to meet tonight. The New Jersey Devils are in Seattle. They are riding the best win points percentage on the road this season, the Devils, that is. Uh, They have swept all three regions for the first time, not only in franchise history, but in NHL history. They have tools like Jack Hughes, like Nico Heischer. Jack Hughes has the most points of any skater in 2023. The Devils Kraken is lining up to be something really interesting on Thursday. Shayna, your take. Yeah, it's interesting too. Like you have two teams that slid in December and both are bouncing back. So we're seeing how they responded to, you know, a shitty streak. Like the Devils started trending in the wrong direction. And some of it was their five on five play sinking. Some of it was goaltending going down. Some of it was just not having shooting luck. And I think a big part of it was teams were on their heels against them in the opening, you know, weeks of the season. Here they are with the speed. How do we catch up to it? And now teams learn. They studied them. They looked at the video. So it was all about how the Devils can readjust. So, you know, this streak for them that they're on right now, the dreaded Western trip isn't so dreaded when you go LA, Anaheim, San Jose. So now it's nice to see like a legitimate test for them. How do they maintain this level against a really good team and a team that's completely different from them that isn't top loaded, that has scores everywhere that, you know, can pour on the scoring when they don't have the best goal hitting. So I think it'll it'll, mat- it'll make for a fun matchup. And I'm really intrigued to see where both of them go from here because the big question with both of them all season is, how do they keep it up? This is a good test. Sarah, do you have a pick in the game, Kraken or Devils or overtime? I think we're going to keep getting it Kraken. Oh, they just got the juice. I mean, so do the Devils. I think yeah. it's amazing that Jack Hughes is going to have his first 30 goal 
season. I think he's coming into his own and we just needed to be a little bit patient. And it's like you always say, you can't make the playoffs in the beginning of the season, but you can lose the playoffs. And then they had this insurance and now they're back second in the Metro. I think I'm talking about like 12 teams right now. (laughs) Everyone's great. Love that for both teams. It's so true. It's so true. Well, that promises to be an interesting game against two uh, really hot teams. Now the Kraken are coming off two losses, so we'll see if they can regain some of that mojo after that historic uh, sweep of a road trip of seven games or more, which had never been done before in the NHL or the NBA. Shout out to friend of the pod, Piper Shaw, for digging that one up for us as well. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. This episode is brought to you by Chevrolet. Now's your chance to support a team with real grit. The Chevy ZR2 family of off-road trucks. The first-ever Silverado HD ZR2 joins the all-new Colorado ZR2 and the Silverado ZR2 for a commanding lineup of off-road-ready trucks. Equipped to take on anything this season throws their way. Visit Chevy.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. All right, my friends, um, don't think we weren't going to get to it. Um, we probably did this to ourselves. It had been a while since we'd had an entrant on the shit list. And ironically, as we were preparing for this episode, uh, we had a couple other entrants coming onto the shit list that we were fully prepared to talk about. And then Ivan Provorov happened. Uh, for those of you who have not been following along, Tuesday night was Pride Night for the Philadelphia Flyers. And when the Flyers took to the ice, Ivan Provorov was not on the ice. Now, originally, a lot of reports were coming out that this might be related to a trade or perhaps even an injury. This is a player who has been suspected to potentially be moved um, and has been reported to not necessarily be the best fit within the locker room and his teammates. But then when the puck dropped, there was Ivan Provorov. And he played, I do believe, you guys keep me honest, a team-leading 22-plus minutes. Uh, it came out while the game was in process that the reason Provorov was not on the ice was because he chose not to wear the pride jerseys that his teammates were wearing for warm-ups. Uh, during the game, the Flyers put out a statement that is pretty much everywhere. I'm going to save our seconds for our reaction, not reading that to you. You can find it if you Google it. And then after the game, then Provorov came out and said that it was his choice because the choice for people to be gay did not match with his uh, orthodox beliefs, uh, citing his religion. 
And then John Tortorella came out and said that the team had issued a statement and that the one thing he respected about Provorov was that he always stood up for what he believed. Um, I will point all of you, if you have not already, to please read the article on The Athletic written by friend of the pod, Charlie O'Connor. It was Charlie O'Connor who had the strength of character to ask Tortorella about it in postgame. Um, he's written a really uh, comprehensive and thoughtful reaction um, to this. Um, I find it all just awful and heartbreaking, and there's enough work that we already have to do in this hockey space. Um, but I'm going to share my bigger thoughts on what all went down for last. We all three have been reacting to this all night and all day. Sarah, what are some important things that you would like to say about this situation and what Ivan Provorov has done for himself, for his team, and to affect the LGBTQIA community? Yeah, where to begin with this one? There's so many talking points. I really did not like John Tortorella's statement that he said he did not consider not playing Provorov and that he respects that Provorov is true to himself and his beliefs. I, I think it's a team-mandated event, and it, it just really took away from the whole event and everything they were trying to do and the great things Scott Lawton and James Van Riemsdyk had done in this space and have done in this space. I think I he shouldn't have played. That's what I think, first of all. I appreciate and was a little surprised to see insiders like Pierre Lebrun pushing back. Pierre Lebrun quote tweeted Gianna Han, who is the Philly Inquirer reporter for the Flyers, saying, Provorov obviously does not respect everyone. If he did respect everyone, he would have taken part in warm up and worn the Pride Night jersey. Don't hide behind religion. That was one of the boldest statements I've seen from an insider about something like this. And I'll say I worked with Pierre on Luke Prokop's coming out story, and he gave so much care and attention to the story and just wanted to do it justice. And it was really refreshing to see him like just put so much effort into it. He's a good guy. I'm glad he's using his platform. And Frank Saravelli has been heavily reporting on this. I know he's from the Philly area. So it's good to see people pushing back on the league, but it's horrible to see how normalized all the homophobia and all the homophobic comments are and so casual on all of these things. It's like so defeating to just even, it could be an innocuous statement that like, oh, he should have played or something and people are saying the F slur and all these responses. It just shows how much work we do have to do in hockey and in the world and how exhausting it can be for queer hockey fans. 100%. And I would like to echo your comments. We've talked, unfortunately, a lot on this show about how the people with the most influence and power aren't willing to say the uncomfortable thing, even though it might be the right thing. And I think that it deserves huge kudos to people like Pierre and Frank who are saying, no, this is not okay and it needs to be discussed. And we need more of that. We need more of these big prominent voices. Um, the fact that they're protected by their power, using that power to protect those who are not. And so I, I, I thanked and credited Pierre last night. And I would just like to say again, that's, that's such important work. Um, Shana, what was your reaction as this was all going down? It's just disappointing on every single front. Like, I understand to a point there's only so much the team can say, the league can say, and Tortorella can say because labor laws and religion, there's only so much that they can go off of. I still don't think Tortorella needed to double down and say that he respected, like, how Provorov stands for his beliefs. 
your beliefs and your religion is not something to hide behind. If you want to say, hey, my religion says that I don't eat meat and dairy together to stay kosher and you can't have that in my house or you have to eat on paper plates here, all the fucking power to you. If your religion is telling you that you have to be a homophobe, that's not okay. And I'd like to know how closely do you finish, you know, how closely do you follow your religion elsewhere? Because you can go through the rules and say, did you did you follow that to a T or are you picking and choosing? And that, I, I don't like that. I'm sorry, you don't get to be selective. If you get to use your religion in a situation like this, you better be to the fucking letter. And that still doesn't okay it. This wasn't just something to do, like, the team chose to do this. Um, I was reading Charlie's story earlier too, and you know, in the past they've done pride tape, he's opted not to do it, and I guess it's not as glaring, but the players wanted to do more. They chose to do the jerseys, and he said no. They were donating the proceeds from the auction to charity with these jerseys. Provorov chose against that. If I'm the Flyers, first of all, he doesn't fucking play. You're gonna sit in the press box and everybody is gonna know why. Second of all, you should make a donation out of your pocket to match the average cost of those jerseys and sticks that you chose not to participate in because now you're robbing a charity of it. I, and it should go to the exact charity the Flyers are. I don't care about your beliefs at this point. Like, it's just wrong to hide behind it. It took away from what players are doing. It made the story about him and the way he was so dismissive about questions, he answered it once and it was like, that's enough for me. If the team made him available, that's not enough. That's not enough to say, I'll take the one question and now I'm not answering it. It's not the first time he hasn't answered tough questions. We saw this about, I don't know, Russia and Ukraine and he was one of the players that did stray away from it too and didn't want to come out in support of it. So it, it's the team I get protecting the player it shouldn't have been in this situation if you made him available for the media he should have to sit there and answer questions and if it makes him look bad that's on him that's not on anybody else I just I think that normalization like it, it reminds me a little bit of Kanye West being anti-semitic right and there's all this hypothetical debate from people who are not Jewish or not gay in this case who are saying well it's just one person it's not that big of a deal like respect them. There's so much talk about respect them. No, this further normalizes like fascism and fascist beliefs and lets people have their hateful beliefs so normalized that they can say them out in the open. And I think that's why all the homophobic responses to this are so upsetting to me because it's just, this is exactly what was going to happen, right? Because he said, I'm in the NHL and I don't agree with gay people's lifestyles. I'm not going to wear the the shirt, the jersey, he let other people be bold enough to be in queer people's spaces in their mentions on Twitter, just saying, why does it matter? Why does it matter? And I, I hate the hypotheticals that people use, right? Even in my mentions, people are like, well, he's respecting people by, but he's respecting his own beliefs. And it's like, I don't want to debate with you. And this is such bad faith and they derail the whataboutism just gets absurd. I just don't want to talk to these yep. people. I'm and, done. And the respect conversation. Respect my beliefs, but I'm not going to respect yours. Yeah. How can you respect someone? Wear a fucking jersey. Well, we have to, I mean, we have to go back to, and I think, because I've been thinking a lot, a lot, a lot about this because when I put out some tweets last night, um, I was, I was, it was actually funny because I was informed that I was anti-Christian. Um, I was informed that I apparently am uh, militant like World War II uh, armies for gay people, and that was supposedly a bad thing. Um, and apparently I want to kill all babies is what I was informed of. And here's a hot fucking newsflash for you people. 
I was raised Christian since the day I was born. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that knoweth God loveth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So come at me, bro. Don't start with me and tell me just because I actually choose to love everyone and think everyone should be loved, that I'm not what you think Christian looks like. Second of all, let's talk about words. Provorov's quote, and I'm going to read it, was, I respect everybody and I respect everybody's choices. Being gay, being queer is not a choice. This is how you are made, this is who you are as a person. Imagine subbing in that you said this about a black person. Not okay. This is who these people are. What is a choice, guess what, is religion. So congrats to you. And to Shana's point, if you would like to choose religion, which I am very much here for you, good for you, good job, let's read some quotes of what you cannot do if you are Russian Orthodox. You cannot let your hair become unkempt. Quote, you will die and God will be angry at everyone. You're not allowed to wear shorts. I would also highly suggest that, last I checked, Ivan Provorov is not married. He's probably had sex. That's probably not okay. Um, so to Shana's point, comply with all. And last and most simply, even if you disagree, guess who pays your contract, sir? The fans coming in the building. Guess where the next wave of money is coming from? The people who haven't previously been buying tickets, which have been marginalized communities, and younger people. So at the very least, wear a jersey to say, hey, if you come here, we're not going to attack you or make you feel less than, so you'll spend more money. So guess what? I can make more money as a player. Like, up and down the line, this is flat out bullshit. However, I do think the reason that nothing's been done is that if they do anything to affect the player because he has said this is based on religious beliefs, by rule, the Players Association has to come down on the league because it will be a violation of, of rights of the player. And that is what sucks. It's not just disrespectful to the fans, but to your teammates. Like, I know he's not, I, we, we've seen it before, we've heard it before, not the most well-liked person in the locker room. At the end of the day, if you can't for the fans, the people who essentially write your checks by investing in the team, even when you're total dog shit, which you are, your teammates are should be your family. And if this is something they truly believe in and want to stand up for, and the players opted to do this with the jerseys, and we see all the initiatives they're taking, you can't give them this little, tiny, 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 tiny little favor. Not favor, fuck, what am I even saying? But you can't throw them a bone and throw a jersey on your back for five seconds. Don't use the pride tape. Just wear jersey. It's a big slap in the face to Van Riemsdyk specifically. I know that family and they are genuine allies and they have always supported the LGBTQ plus community. And I know that's a slap in the face to him and all his hard work. He goes above and beyond. The whole family does. And it's just a slap in the face to him and everybody else. And I just can't take the hypocrisy and the straw man arguments anymore, especially around Christianity where why, well, they're respecting you. Why can't you respect their religion? I don't, I don't have to. They aren't respecting me, first of all. They aren't. They're saying, you. I don't support something that you do that has no fucking impact on my life whatsoever. Something that you do, just who you are. I don't support who you are as a person for no reason other than I'm hateful. And you know what? I, I do respect religions. My mom is the principal of South Boston Catholic Academy. Guess what? They are pro-gay. 
They are, they have, they wave the flag. It's not that hard. They, it's not in the religion that you, we, we don't even have to get into that because I don't care. Even if it was in the religion, I don't care. I'm not your religion. And I still walk around trying to respect you. And I try not to bow mouth religions. If that works for you, that's lovely. But like you said, Allison, being gay isn't a choice. And there's no reason to not wear a rainbow shirt. Like, just fuck off. So let's so let's let's talk about this. I think it's very clear um, how disappointed and frustrating and hurtful, um, not just emotionally, but in terms of impact for this sport to change. All of this has been. Um, but what would you want to see happen? Now, um, I think, and, and I, we look, we've been pro torts before, um, and uh, I have, I have a good relationship with him, but I, I was also not pleased with his comments. And I think he could have come out with a state. He's a, he's a man who's always going to protect his players, but I think he erred here. And I would have loved, I would love to see him come out even now and say upon reflection that while he can understand a player selecting that it's not okay. And it's not in line with what the team and the organization is about. That's a first step for me, but what else would you guys want to see happen, team level, player level, league level, knowing that there are unfortunately maybe some handcuffs because of the, the labor rights that are in the contract with the PA? Yeah, you can't force somebody not to be homophobic either, and I don't want them to pretend, I guess, but it just comes down to hockey culture as a whole, right? I love what Brock McGillis is doing, going to the OHL and going to these junior leagues. It starts at the grassroots. It starts at when these kids move away from home and stop. I mean, some of them stop going to high school. Some of them go to high school, but aren't particularly focused on their studies. Some of them are homeschooled. It's kind of, you have to expose them to cultures that are not exactly like theirs. And statistically, I'm sure that there are gay men in the NHL. Right. Oh, 100 percent. And that goes to the fact that nobody can come out speaks to where we are right now in this league and in society and things like this just make it worse. It's, it's such a loaded question of where to go from here, because I hated what Gary Bettman said. But at the same time, it is a hockey is for everyone, which still exists now, which is murky in itself, is a team by team mandated thing and every player is entitled to do exactly what they want it just hurts even more because i wish they'd want to do more i wish they weren't homophobic but education is basically the route to go i'm sure provorov i don't know if he's a lost cause at this point but that would take a lot shana do you have any ideas yeah, I, I definitely want to see an apology from Torts, and it wouldn't be the first time we see him soften a stance or whatever. Like you think about when it was JT Brown protesting, and you know, if I remember correctly, he said he would bench a player if they did that, and then he walked it back after. And you know, I think if you're wrong in the first place, and everyone does focus on that, they're right too. But like people can evolve, they can change, they can learn. So I hope he does in this situation because I really don't appreciate how far he leaned into it. Um, even if it's not necessarily condemning Provorov and staying within the lines, because this is the thing. There are legal ramifications for everybody, you know, higher up in this besides the players. So I do get that. And I respect that they have to stay within those lines. See, you can respect something um, without being an asshole about it. Who knew? I would really like to see the Flyers um, at this point lean into 
what James Van Riemsdyk's doing and what Scott Lawton's doing because it got completely overshadowed. Make another night of it. Make a night where you showcase that. And if you're the league, you stand behind it. You make resources available. You do more charitable efforts and do things like that. Highlight the good because it's not to take away from the bad. I think that the bad just has overshadowed the good that needs to be coming out in tandem with this. That should have been the showcase of all of this. So I just want to see a little bit more of that. Um, anything that they had planned, do it again. Just keep doing it. Ask them what they want to do. Ask the players on this. Go to the Flyers locker room. And even if it's just the two of them as the representatives and let them discuss with the rest, how do they want to handle it from here? What can they do to remedy the situation? And it's not on them to fix the Flyers, the league, Provorov, everybody's fuck-ups along the way. But whatever good you can get out of this, whatever good you can highlight from this, that's the most important thing, I think. Um, because it, it just, that's what this should have been about in the first place. So what can we do to... Not fix the situation, but what can we do to highlight the good that we should be talking about that got overshadowed? The normalization of talk, right-wing fascist talking points when it comes to gay people in 2023 has had very real and serious political implications, right? It's not like, oh, he's just saying this thing or whatever. No, this is a stance and it's ridiculous to have in 2023. It's not a belief I have to respect. I don't respect you not agreeing with gay people. Like, get the fuck out of here, honestly, because there have been political ramifications and the talk about grooming is very real. Like, people get online and talk about grooming now. I hadn't seen that years ago. I see that now. I see violence everywhere I go to the LGBTQ plus community, and it's very serious and important the way we talk about it. 100%, and I think, listen, I'm also going to say this to your point, Sarah, of education. We do need to have space for people who don't understand or things feel weird if they are of good faith to learn and to be better and to improve. And I think, you know, that's why I, I centered on that word choice is that if you don't, if you, I understand how people maybe didn't understand the implication of that word, but that's what makes it okay is that he is judging someone's choice. And I'm saying to you, it's not a choice. I'm not saying it to you too. You know, I, I know you know this, but I'm saying to to the royal we, it's not a choice. And if we understand that, and then we say, what if we were talking about something else that we know is not a choice? I wonder, what if he said that about women? You know, what if he said that, again, like I said, about a person of color? Um, and similarly, you think it's okay to not wear your warm-up jersey for this. Are, are you okay if, if players don't wear warm-up jerseys for military appreciation night? Are you okay? Are you, are you okay for players to openly say they they don't celebrate christmas i mean and and listen so i say these hypocrisy and babying these fucking people sorry go but i think for those who are of good faith like ask yourself these questions and start to understand where your bias and where the issue is for you so that you can understand how to be better um but it's it's just really really frustrating and disheartening that that we're here and I, and I would I, I realized, too, there was one other shout out that I did want to give. Um, and, and we mentioned him earlier, but I want to read this, too. And it's from my colleague, J.T. Brown, who was the first person of color to hold up a fist in protest on an NHL bench. Um, and he tweeted last night, absolutely nothing wrong with the LGBTQ plus community. In fact, they make the sport better. However, there is something wrong with being homophobic slash transphobic. What a shitty distraction from an important night. Um, and I would also like to honor his wife, uh, Dr. Lexi Brown, who tweeted out how interesting it was that everyone's standing up for Provorov's right to, uh, to protest, uh, but not a black man. So again, 
if you feel this strongly about what Provorov did was fine, then you have to be fine with people protesting in all ways. And you have to be fine with people electing not to support a lot of different programs. And if that's okay, then great. Good for you. Um, but take a good hard look at yourself, people, if you're Lexi upset about this. Lexi is spot on, as always. She's just excellent. But Straight I'm so sick of the hypocrisy and babying these people who are spouting these bad faith arguments. How many, I, I saw this, it was in my mentions a couple times. Well, in Russia, well, in Russia, this is what they're brought up to believe. First of all, he hasn't been in Russia for a while. Second of all, other Russian players have learned to move past that. I understand if he was from Russia a month ago and has only been in the US and is learning the culture and understanding that this is not how things are and people are open-minded here and life is very different. That's not the case. I'm sorry, it's not an excuse for me. It's the same thing. We heard comments from Artemi Panarin years ago that everyone was like, that's really rough. And it, it was, but you can see how people learn once they get out of being like completely closed-minded and they don't know any different. At this point, you do know different. You've seen Pride Nights around the league for your team. You've opted against them every single, you've chosen to never evolve your beliefs and then hide beside something else. You chose to do that. Well, other players have learned to get, move past it and evolve and get smarter. That's what it is. That's the difference. My grandma was from the USSR and one of the last days I drove her to chemo she, we, she had these like roll down windows and there were those people, you know, the Obama protesters with the Hitler must, they put the picture of Obama with Hitler and then they were had all this like gay hate stuff. She goes, roll down the fucking window and she rolled it down and she flipped these people off. So if my grandma from the USSR knows to do that, I, I just don't think it's an excuse to say Russian people don't know any better. I think that's infant infantilizing them. Oh, I can't, I can't speak today. Infantilizing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, why are you, why are people jumping to defend them? Well, yeah, why place? are you Why are we normalizing this? a debate around everything? A deba There's no debate around this. Yep. Why are we suddenly jumping to the aid of Russian players and saying this, like, why? I'm sorry, why? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And if you do an ounce of research on Provorov, why? So many cis white men view these conversations as hypothetical sparring when it's somebody's real life with real political implications that they're so, that's what privilege means. You don't have, you can have these debates on twitter.com all day without it affecting your life. This is real life that affects real people. And I just wish that they would see that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. We're going to end our episode there today. Um, it's not necessarily time to play a light fun game after all that not in the mood um, <laughs> not in the mood um but i hope that you all uh, thank you for listening and i hope you all realize um how much it means when we say at the end of every episode to please go out and do something that makes sure that hockey truly is for everyone and we will talk to you soon we love you and we don't have to tolerate the intolerant well said I wish I had something better to add, but we love you. <laughs> You're perfect. Bye.